0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tim Dillon Show. We have a mind-blowing episode today. This is literally one of the most mind-blowing, probably the most mind-blowing podcast episode I've ever done. Uh, We have Whitney Webb on, who's a journalist. She's written the best articles about Jeffrey Epstein, Ghislaine Maxwell, about um, the powers behind Epstein— um, she's also written a great article about a lot of the companies that stand to profit from introducing the solutions to COVID-19. She you know, uh, writes a lot about Bill Gates and his relationship with Epstein. That's what she talks about uh, on this podcast. We also play private audio from a phone call, a private phone call that Whitney had with an Epstein accuser, uh, a victim of Epstein, Maria Farmer who the mainstream media has reported on. But, of course, the mainstream media did not report everything Maria told them. So we had permission to play the phone call. We play clips from the phone call. Whitney breaks them down and analyzes them. Uh, Some of them are incredibly shocking, very disturbing. And then Whitney goes on and talks about um, Gates, and she talks about... Uh, a lot of factions within the United States government that plan on copying the authoritarian model that you see in China of how they've structured their society. There's this idea that in order to compete... With China and still be the top of global hegemony, we need to adopt a lot of the things that China has done successfully, uh, including trampling human rights, including moving everything to a cashless, driverless society, eliminating uh, the ownership of of, uh, private vehicles. I mean, it's really crazy when she talks about this document that came out from a Freedom of Information request about how a lot of people— in the government plan to use the, the economic shutdown and the pandemic to usher in a lot of new rules, regulations, surveillance systems, things like that. Uh, Whitney's great. She, she, her work is always very well-researched. She's not a hysteric. She's somebody who stands behind everything she says, and it's an honor to have her here. She writes at The Last American Vagabond. That's also a YouTube channel. She also has a Patreon that you can support her work, and the link will be in the description. She has a book coming out about Jeffrey Epstein. So this is about an hour and 15 minute conversation. Again, it, a lot of what goes on here is fucking unbelievable. So again, this, you know, there's a few jokes. It's not overall a very funny episode, but you know, every now and then we do an episode like this to really keep you up at night. And this will absolutely 100% do that. If you're not up at night already, which you should be. All right, everybody, we've got Whitney Webb. She's one of our favorites, one of the best journalists in America that doesn't live here. That's why she's better. She's written some great articles. She's written the best articles about Jeffrey Epstein. She's written a great article in The Last American Vagabond, right? Is that? Yeah, yeah that's the site. And it's about Bill Gates and it's about all the companies that stand to profit from all of the different solutions to uh, coronavirus. And she's always doing a lot of research and work uh, and then putting out these very long, really detailed, well-researched articles on very difficult topics that a lot of people don't go into. So we're we're very excited to have you. Thanks for coming on the show. And, And I spoke to you this morning and you said you you and we we're, we're going to go into gates and stuff cuz i you know obviously a lot of people saw me and rogan kind of did that little uh we had a little uh you know little fun argument about bill gates who i don't know anything about other than i've read some articles about him and i, I you know and then rogan was like well bill doesn't have any reason you know he does he need, he has enough money he doesn't want any more money, but as you know, whether it's George Soros or the Koch brothers or Bill Gates, billionaires often engage in in social engineering. They have an ideology; they want to impact the world. Some of it is good, a lot of it isn't. So I, I you know, what's interesting is like we're going to ha- all have to understand what Bill Gates and and a lot of these people are are trying to do. It should be transparent, um, and that was my my thing with Joe. I, I was just basically like, listen, we all want to solve. Climate change, but if I said to you part of that was having a one-child-per-family policy and you could never drive an SUV and we're going to put a cap on, you know, the energy that you could consume, um, you might say, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, hold on. So we all agree nobody wants coronavirus. Nobody wants – you know, everybody wants some way to prevent coronavirus, but – It's the details, which is something that you're very good at. It's figuring out what the details are of these solutions. Quickly, because then we're going to go into the Epstein thing, but quickly just blanket off the bat with Gates. What concerns you particularly about uh, Bill Gates and some of the initiatives that he's pushed around the world?
1: All right. So Bill Gates um, is one of those billionaires who had a ton of money and it took him a really long time to get involved in philanthropy. But not just speaking about um, Bill Gates, but so-called philanthropists in general. Since the day of the very first billionaire in the United States, John D. Rockefeller, they have tried to rebrand themselves as philanthropists. Even Jeffrey Epstein, before he was arrested the first time, used to be called philanthropist. It's been used a lot of times to basically launder A person's reputation when they get involved in um, odd or unsavory, you know, unsavory activities, which billionaires, uh, you know, we've seen over the years uh, sometimes are prone to do. Right. So um, as far as Gates goes, um, you know, a lot of people have compared his foundation, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, to the Rockefeller Foundation sort of as a like the, the successor to that, even though that foundation still exists in a lot of ways, um, focusing a lot of attention um on, on developing countries and some of those those things that have happened, um, and you know, scandals with um the vaccines and all of that with Bill Gates has to do with the fact um that his foundation has a lot of close ties to major pharmaceutical giants. And in some cases, some of those vaccines um that were originally rejected for use in the United States ended up being sent abroad to other countries, uh, developing countries like India, for example, um, where they ended up having really severe health effects on the on, on you know largely the girls that received them. Um, yeah, and a lot of other controversies. I mean, vaccines in general. There's um you know a lot of people get really um, agitated um, when people bring up vaccines, but it's important to remember um, that you know there can be some vaccines that are produced poorly or produced, for example, in a facility that is not up to standards and has sanitary issues, for example. And then when those vaccines are used that can cause adverse reactions and that is you know, a crime essentially um, and, and wrong. And there can be people that can talk about pharmaceutical corruption and not necessarily be against vaccines as a science. And what we see a lot of times is this conflation Of people saying, "Oh, you're criticizing this particular vaccine, or this particular pharmaceutical company, or this particular vaccine manufacturer. You must be against all vaccines." I don't think that's true at all. Um, But in terms of Bill Gates, um, one thing I do want to point out about him is that his rhetoric over the years has been very odd when it has when it comes to vaccines. He says, uh, you know, stuff at these TED talks like. We can, you know, bring down the world population by, you know, if we're good on vaccines and stuff like that. And that's kind of odd, right? Um, presumably vaccines exist to keep people alive longer, not to reduce population. So the fact that he's talking about it that way, um, I think is it's reasonable that people are concerned about that, especially considering, too, that he's talked about for years that he's concerned that the global population is too large, specifically in Africa. A few years ago, he was saying that he was very concerned and bothered by how many, um, the African youth boom is, is the term used in the report there. And I just don't really understand what we have to be putting, um, you know, trotting out this billionaire on CNN and stuff, telling us how to respond to this, this crisis. Um, when he doesn't have a medical degree, he's a, he's a guy that didn't even finish university. He dropped out of Harvard and then went on and became this, you know, tech guy, um, you know, massive tech billionaire. Cause he got this deal with IBM in the eighties and all this stuff. Right. Um, but why is he giving medical advice on a massive scale? I mean, it, it just seems really odd. Um, but the thing, you know, to me, that's the biggest red flag about Gates is his relationship with Epstein. And I say this for a couple of reasons, mainly that if you look at who was the one of the executors on Epstein's will, um, it was a guy named Boris nikolic who was actually Bill Gates' uh, chief scientific advisor. There's pictures of nikolic Gates, and, and Epstein, also Larry Summers, you know, all together palling around. Um and it came out, you know, after last year, after the, the second Epstein arrest last year, that Epstein was very interested in eugenics, right? I mean, this was openly admitted in mainstream media. media. Um, and what I was told, what we're going to get into today about Epstein by, by one of his um, victims is that they talked about eugenics all the time and talked about the superiority of races and, and how other races are lesser than others. And she was like, this is how these people think. They talk to me like this. They told me I was lesser than them. You know, because I didn't have their DNA.
0: How close were Gates and Epstein personally?
1: Well, so there has been a huge cover up on Gates and Epstein ties. I can say that for a fact because the New York Times uh, originally it said like they had met in 2016. And then the New York Times said, oh, no, actually, it was 2011. But that's a lie. And um, I know this because there is this article that is, they have tried to scrub from the internet, but you can still find it if you're you know, persistent like I am. Um, it's from the Evening Standard, a UK newspaper. It's from January 2001. It was written by Nigel Rosser. And in there, it talks about a whole bunch of stuff about Epstein. Of course, this was before he was controversial, controversial right? So it says a lot of things um, about Epstein. It even mentions the intelligence ties. It says CIA. It says Mossad. In this article right um but other one sentence that really caught my attention was jeffrey epstein made his you know his millions all his money from his business links to these three men and it says those three men are leslie wexner donald trump and the third one is bill gates and this is in 2001 So obviously there had to have been some relationship there. Right. Right. Before
0: 2001. So this is an article written in 2001 about how and why was it written? Was it like just a piece about Jeffrey Epstein? It it, it was some type of uh, just biography or what what exactly what was the tone of the article? So on this
1: period of time, um, Epstein uh, had gotten some media attention, mainly because he was being or he was seen around Prince Andrew a lot in public during this period of time. And um, Ghislaine Maxwell had always sort of generated interest in the British press because her father was like this hated white collar criminal, basically. Um because he, you know, raided that pension fund um, of of um, you know the the Daily Mirror and all this stuff. So she had sort of pop up in tabloid coverage throughout the 1990s. And um, this article was focusing on on Ghislaine and and Epstein's relationship with. With Andrew and was trying to say to the British public, you know, who were these, you know, new pals of uh, pals of Andrew, Prince Andrew, that we're seeing, you know, hearing about all the time? Who are they really? And trying to find out something about them before anyone had really tried to do much of a deep dive on them, right? And so um, that's where this article came from, and it talks about Bill Gates openly. And um, the first Epstein victim to go to the FBI, uh, Maria Farmer, who I, I interviewed yesterday, she said that when she was around, um, she was around Epstein and, and Ghislaine pretty much every day for like two years. And she said that she heard them talk about Bill Gates in 1995 like they knew him really well.
0: We're going to get into that interview because that's very interesting. But just in general, after looking into this information, is it your belief that it's very possible, if not probable or likely, that somebody like Bill Gates has very different views in private than the ones he shared in public?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I think all of these billionaires do. I right. mean, let's think about Leslie Wexter, for example. If you're going to buy the reasoning that, well, he has so much money, he doesn't need anything else. I mean, why would he do anything bad, right? Um, a lot of times there's these people like this that, that get this type of money and when they can't buy anything else, they want control, right yes they want they want they're they're about you know like like you said social engineering and control or you know sort of imposing their vision of the world and what they think is best on other people or telling Um, everyone else to
0: make sacrifices that they will never have to make i mean that's another big thing trying to yeah basically engineer the lives of of regular people and and tell them to make sacrifices where, the, you know, the wealthy and the government will never be forced to make those types of sacrifices.
1: Well, with Bill Gates and vaccines, why did his, you know, the the pediatrician for his children come forward and say that Bill Gates refused to have his children vaccinated?
0: Is that true?
1: From what I understand, yes.
0: Wow. That's but very interesting. media
1: didn't pick it up because obviously it's, you know— who wants Bill Gates? You know, on your bad side. Well, we <laughs> we days, do
0: right? we do right here. I've said that before. Come and get us. I'm kidding. We I or am I? But let's get into this interview with Maria Farmer, who's Epstein's uh, a, an Epstein victim. She's somebody that you interviewed or spoke to on the phone for three and a half hours, and she reached out to you because she was upset about a ruling that came down. Talk a little bit about this ruling that a lot of people don't understand the significance of. It, eventually, it essentially closes the door on anybody paying any price for what happened to those women.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, in a nutshell, not to get too technical on anyone, basically what it means is that someone like Ghislaine Maxwell or any other co-conspirator in what Epstein was involved in um, walks free and they walk free for good. It's basically saying these people are immune to prosecution and, it's, and any Epstein victim that comes forward and tries to say this person was involved, uh, they can't go to court.
0: And that ruling came down and it was basically, I think separating civil and criminal trials. Was it something like that? There's so many different cases um, right. right now.
1: Um so, I'm not 100% sure on that. But I mean, the important takeaway is that essentially um, it, it claims that these other, you know, the sweetheart deal, as it's called, oh, that right. was negotiated. It was done. That, that stands, it was done yeah. correctly. You know, and, so and part of that deal that
0: he got the first time was that none of his co-conspirators had to be named, like Dwayne yeah. Maxwell. Or
1: or they're immune, basically. Or they're immune. Yeah. So they
0: all got immunity. So when Epstein's first deal was given out by uh, a judge in Florida, and it was negotiated by, I believe, uh, Acosta, who's the Secretary of Labor, he negotiated that deal for Epstein. Epstein, part of it was that none of his co-conspirators Uh, would ever have to face prosecution that seems insane that you would be putting giving blanket immunity to all his co-conspirators but then that was the ruling that was held up recently so that Ghislaine Maxwell so tell us a little bit about Maria Farmer and how you guys started talking
1: um well she actually contacted me um a, a while ago and I had just been really busy and was not I um was working on other stuff not Epstein research just because of like the crazy times we live in there's so much going on right um but then this ruling happened and I was like you know what let's talk right now you know I you, you your guys's voice matters we need I mean the the ruling to me is just so outrageous because it just sends this horrible message that people can get away with crimes on this scale to kids yeah. you know, and, yeah. and, and, nothing happens to them as long as they're in bed with intelligence or organized crime or the right, you know, billionaires, you have enough money. I mean, you can do
0: anything you want basically. That um, is the takeaway. That certainly is the takeaway, you know?
1: Right. So it's, it, it's infuriating. And I was like, you know, now's a good time. And so, um, I had originally planned to just ask her about the ruling and she told me, you know, um, And she had talked to so many reporters in mainstream media, I mean, pretty much every outlet you can think of, and they just would not tell her story. She said, as soon as I, every time I would bring up Wexner, they never, they always cut it out. And she told me Wexner's the head of the snake, is what she said. She said of this whole operation, he's the head of the snake. You know, he's the guy, he's the brains of this. He's the guy that's coordinating this all from his, you know, mansions. This is the guy in charge, basically. And essentially, you know, and and I mean, other people have said this too. Epstein was basically just like a project manager. He was like mid-level management in terms of this scheme. You know, people say, oh, yeah, well, he's gone. So, I mean, that must mean this stopped. No way. Right. You know, the people that are at the top that were doing this, you know, Epstein was just, he was there because he was really charismatic. He could convince these girls um, that he was going to make their lives better. You know, he, he was apparently really charming and able to like, you know, bring them in. And then once they're in, I mean, you just, the tactics these people use, I mean, mainstream media doesn't really report on that either. You know, like they wouldn't let them, they'd have to call to permit for permission to go outside. There are all these pinhole cameras everywhere. They watch their every move. They even watch them like undress to change clothes and stuff. You know, I mean, once you're in there, it's really hard to get out.
0: Right. And and so (laughs) what were some of the more, you know, when she called you, what were some of the things that, other than than Wexner, what were some of the other things that she had told you that specifically mainstream media would not allow her to say or would cut out?
1: Well, it was specifically anything to do with Wexner um, and a lot of other things. I mean, it was just so much because, you know, I had read about her story in mainstream media because they reported on her. Right? right. And honestly, she said everything that she had told me she had told them and less than five percent. Ended up in mainstream media. Are you? So, I mean,
0: are you of the opinion that Wexner has uh, is an asset of uh, either a foreign intelligence service or our intelligence service? She said that he he were, that he's
1: Mossad. That's what she said.
0: Right. It does, and seem, that and that yeah.
1: he's he's part of the the mob, like the the mafia. Right. She said it was like organized. It's organized crime. And you know, in my series, I point that out too that he. You know, has basically documented ties to the National Crime Syndicate, which is the Jewish and Italian Mafia. Um, they started their union in the 1920s and they've pretty much been blackmailing ever since. And they got in bed with the, you know, the OSS, uh, the precursor to the CIA. And then after the CIA was made, they got in bed with them. And that's where all of this has really come from, right? So Wexner's, you know, a part of that and he's been carrying this on. Um, and But every time she would bring him up, they would cut it out. They don't want to go after Wexner. But, you know, I mean, if he's the head of this, it won't stop until there's some accountability for him. But apparently, because he's the richest man in Ohio, no one wants to say anything. Um, and I think that's sick
0: What because did, of- Yeah, well, absolutely. <laughs> what did she say about Ghislaine Maxwell? What was her role in this? And where does she think she is now or-
1: well, she said Ghislaine Maxwell is the most dangerous woman she thinks she's ever met and the most dangerous asset for Israel. That's a direct quote. She said that. And she said that Ghislaine Maxwell talked about Israel um, and said that she, um, that she and Wexner and Epstein were not loyal to the United States. They were loyal to Israel. I mean, she, they straight up told her that. Um, she had passports, Ghislaine did, for like five different countries, including Israel, the United States, the United Kingdom, France. Um, You know, I mean, this woman was was balls deep in intelligence. And of course, anyone that looks at her father knows this. Um, Ghislaine also told her that um, she believes her father was murdered by Israeli intelligence, but then given a state funeral because of his importance. Right. Um, among other things, but she said Ghislaine is, is, is a dangerous, very dangerous woman. Um, but didn't have a lot of friends. So the people she would treat as, you know, her servants, her employees, she ended up trying to like share information about herself. She'd like have her go shopping with her, sit her down and, and go through photo albums of her childhood. Um, she had 12 photo albums of her growing up with the royal family. That has not been mentioned in mainstream media. They claim the Prince Andrew ties were like in the late 90s with Ghislaine Maxwell. She says no way.
0: Her, her. I mean, they
1: were really young in these pictures. And her. there were like photo album after photo album wow. uh, of them. Yeah.
0: When you say dangerous woman, is it farmers uh, like that That Ghislaine could make people disappear that she could, uh, I mean, is Farmer, did Farmer suggest that like, you know, there were certain girls or victims that she used to see around that she doesn't see around anymore? Was there anything uh, of that nature discussed?
1: Well, um, on the, on the last point, she didn't say Ghislaine, uh, she didn't talk about Ghislaine murdering anyone per se, but she definitely uh, does think that there were a lot of kids that ended up dying that got recruited. Um, we can go into that later, but in terms of what Ghislaine Maxwell was doing, um, you know, she said that she one day went to her art por- portfolio cause she was, a, she was, um, recruited to work for Epstein. She was basically forced to work for Epstein because of the, the Dean of the school, um, the art school, she was going to in New York basically said, Oh, you're going to work for, you know, these guys basically. And that's what, why she was there. So she had this art portfolio. <laughs> Uh, I mean, depends on how you define cool.
0: No, I um, said what school? School, not that's cool. Oh, what school? What? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, I came no.
1: through
0: when I was like, Yeah, yeah, what? yeah. No, no, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, no, it was the New York Academy of Art, and the woman that was the the, the head of the, the school at the time was a woman named Eileen Guggenheim. And there's pictures of her with this lady, Marina Abramovich. Pictures yeah. of her with the
0: sentence. At right? this point so in the podcast, I do want to say that myself, neither you, are suicidal. No, not at all. Okay, no. just want to I let everyone know that. I intend to
1: take these people to town. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because the fact that mainstream media would not report this, and it's fought, it, it's my job now. Yeah, the FBI knew this, all this stuff in 1996. Jesus, and most of mainstream media knew this in the early 2000s. Vicki so, Ward knew all this stuff.
0: So, so the Guggenheim owned school in Manhattan, or she's the principal, or or somebody tells uh, Maria that you were now going to work for Jeffrey Epstein. Basically, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and as what? As an assistant? As a masseuse? As a...
1: I mean, she ended up doing like interior decorating okay. and stuff like that um, for all these apartments because they had this whole apartment building that's officially owned by Epstein's brother where like all these girls were kept. There were so many places. There were so many buildings.
0: Uh, this and they had truly offices. They gl- didn't just
1: have these apartments They yeah. had offices where Epstein worked. Ghislaine had offices. I mean, just tons of real estate.
0: How many women are we talking about girls at any given time?
1: Uh, Marie, this was in 1995 for, to 1996. She said that she saw between at least five different girls a day come in and out of Epstein's offices.
0: Okay. So he's running a global operation.
1: Yes, definitely. Yeah. She, okay. um... We can I have some audio clips from yes, from the call please. that we can get into. Yeah, let's um, let's and, let's get and, into that. Yeah. Now you've heard talk a lot, about this aspect.
0: You've heard a lot of mind blowing stuff, but you you said this call you were on was one of the most mind blowing things you've ever heard.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought I knew this case. I reported on it like all last year. I thought I knew what had happened. I just can't believe that no one told the these women's stories that they like limited hangout. Hang out it the crap out of it. I just I'm I'm appalled. You yeah. know I I don't like mainstream media. That's why I do what I do because they're not doing their job. You know, but I didn't really like hate them until this call.
0: Interesting. All right, let's get into the first clip here. That is a clip from the call with you and Maria Farmer, Epstein victim.
2: Whitney, I got it. I've got to tell you something. This is why I've been dying to tell you. There are only 30 women that have come forward. 30, Whitney. I saw between—I'm not kidding. I'm—I'm I'm very disturbed by this part. I saw at least five girls come in that house a day. I mean, no, I, on a really slow day, there would be three little girls.
1: I know, really it, was the was I know girls. it was really high. The actual amount.
2: No, oh, Whitney, it's in the—it's in the thousands. Where are they? Where are they? Are they dead? You, I mean, these think, children have think, to be dead because you think here's the thing. Like Brad was like, "Well, what if they?" Drug addict. What?
1: You, you think some of them were killed?
2: I, I think that they had to be because here's the thing, Whitney. Brad said he knows of 500 just in Florida. Like, we can't find them. Where are they? And the thing is, like, oh, this kid's making that is a loud machine out there. Um, come inside for a second, Brady. Um, anyway, all I was going to say is that they, these children were between. You know, uh, yeah, thousands, thousands. I was there a year, and I saw thousands of little girls, which is, it was so exhausting, Whitney. They were in his offices. They were in, there were just constantly little girls there, constantly. And I remember one, one of the reasons I quit, I said, I am tired of dealing with the, the, the number of people coming and going. You know, I'm just tired of, and that sounds horrible now, but I didn't understand what was happening entirely. I just knew it was weird. And I certainly didn't know it was pedophilia. I mean, and the other thing is, gilan had said one day in Florida, when I was in Florida, she said, you know, we have to go on a, a jog for a while. And I said, why? And she said, well, Jeffrey needs three massages. So while I was in Florida, there were three little girls being assaulted. And now I look back on that, I'm so creeped out. You know, I didn't know. But I knew that they abused their maids from the Philippines, Um, that was another reason I quit, uh, because one day I went to take a nap upstairs in the 66 or in the mansion on 71st. And, you know, I worked the door, like signing people in and there was no one coming in that day. And so I went and, uh, took a nap and they were the sweetest ladies from the Philippines ever. And they came in and they were kind of tucking me in. And one of them whispered, we, I said, I said, um, how long have you worked here? And she said, we were stolen. I'm like, what does that mean? They were stolen. They were trafficked. And they had, them in, they had women from the Philippines in Florida and, and in um, New York and in the uh, house on, um, in, in, on the ranch. And, they had, and no one ever cares. Like I mentioned this and everybody goes, yeah, well. They trafficked people out of the Philippines and Thailand as servants.
0: Yeah. I mean, that is so incredibly disturbing to listen to, uh, the idea. Yeah. The idea of that, that the mainstream media wouldn't report that there were so many more potential victims and there's been very little effort on the part of the media to, to find these women, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, those 500 victims in Florida, they have their names. They can't find them anywhere
0: Really? At all. Who's got their names?
1: Uh, the One of the victims' lawyers.
0: And they cannot— they,
1: they know there's these 500 victims in Florida they can't find.
0: And how do they get the names of those victims?
1: Uh, I think you'd have to ask them. I don't really know yeah. exactly how they— But, I mean, you know, it's their job to investigate this stuff. They have all the victims that have come forward— Yeah. I mean, they apparently have names and these girls are nowhere. And that's just 500. Like she was saying, this was in the 90s. This was like five a day,
0: different girls. Yeah. Back then you could make people disappear relatively easily, especially if they were from a lower socioeconomic background. Some of them were foster kids. Some of them were, you know, fall through the cracks. Uh, and, and so easily nobody's looking for those girls. Nobody's trying to find them. It's insane. Now Maria Farmer was a victim of Epstein. How was she sexually assaulted by him? Or what, what, was her role yeah. there? So she, she started out as an interior decorator. Then how does she get, how does she get wrapped up in, in what else was going on?
1: Let me tell you, uh, I'll try and summarize her story. And, and when you hear it, you will realize why, the mainstream media will not tell her story because it happened. The worst of it happened at Wexner's house okay, in new Albany, Ohio. Right. So obviously if they were to talk about it in any sort of detail, they'd right. have to talk about Wexner. Uh, right. Right. So, um, at some point where she was working for Epstein, she was basically told, Oh, Abigail Wexner, that's Leslie Wexner's wife wants an artist in residence. And she was basically, you know, told it would be great and she could go eat at this country club. Um, go play tennis there. And it was going to be all nice. And there was this big estate and there were horses. I don't know. So she ends up going, she stays in his guest house. It has just like all these other residences, all these cameras everywhere. They watch her every move. She has to call uh, Abigail Wexner or someone uh, to get, you know, permission to leave the house to even go outside and like sit on the porch, you know, Um, this country club, she tried to go and she was told that she wouldn't be served because she's not Jewish. Interesting, which is weird. Um, but apparently she said all these people like Delane, uh, you know, all these people would just tell her they were like really supremacist. Um, I don't know. So apparently she said that didn't surprise her based on everything else she experienced around these people. Um, but uh, at, at some point, uh, you know, she was there for three months and they really limited the amount of food they gave her. She felt like she was being starved, she said, which is disturbing um so she was basically trapped there, you know? Um and, and uh you know, uh, Epstein and, and Ghislaine uh came uh, I think 3 to 4 times during her 3 month stay there and on the last day, um they tried to rape her. Both All, of them. Both
0: of them tried Maxwell to rape her. Maxwell and Epstein. Mm-hmm. And what what happened then?
1: Well, um so when we talked she jumped around a lot um from different topics from this to that. From what I understand, after that, um, you know, they ended up leaving. She called the police and the police uh, basically said they weren't going to come help her because they work for Wexner. They work at his gate at the estate and to like stop calling, basically.
0: And how, Um, how old was she when this was happening?
1: Uh, she was an adult, but I don't know how the The thing is she was an adult when this happened, but yeah. they took her sister, they kidnapped her sister and she was like 15. When did they
0: kidnap her sister?
1: Um, I'd have to look back yeah. at, at my notes cause it, it, it's a long story. I mean, three and a half hours. No, right? of course. Just yesterday. Yeah. Right? Um, but I mean, the mainstream media, the New York Times basically makes the story sound like, oh, she went to Wexner's house to paint a mural and Epstein hired her. And then Epstein tried to put his hands on her and then she called the cops and, you know, that was it. Right. No. And apparently at some point, this bodyguard for Wexner, who's former like special forces military guy, who's now Will Smith's bodyguard, um, he basically came over and was like, you know, you're never leaving here and was like, basically like, I'm going to kill you. And the only reason she said she made it out is because there was a landline in that house. And she called literally everyone she had ever met in her entire life. Wow. Her entire, like her whole family, as many people as she could saying, they are trying to kill me. Now, because they saw her making a stink with all these cameras, they ended up letting her go. And and she said to me, I was an adult at the time. What if I had been one of those preteen girls or one of those younger kids? What yeah. would have happened to me?
0: Did she ever see any notable people, any bold face names with Epstein and Ghislaine that would be surprising to anybody? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: one thing that shocked me, um, honestly, is that she said that in New York, uh, Ghislaine would go to these like um, around the time school would get out to like middle schools She would like drive around and say that she was recruiting models for Victoria's Secret and would go up to like all these 12 year old girls with like braces and stuff and school uniforms. But she almost always went to do this with Ivana Trump, Trump's ex-wife. And so they were together all the time in this going around in cars, talking to these young girls and that they would exchange information. And the next day, those girls would be in Epstein's office.
0: So she would go around to, I imagine, you know, were these prep schools? Are these public? I mean, I don't know exactly yeah, what type
1: of school it was, but it's hard to imagine that, that they're going
0: to very wealthy schools because then the parents of those kids would also be sort of powerful and connected people. Um, but, I, but who knows? Who knows? But so she was going to junior high schools, middle schools with Ivana Trump. And getting and saying she was recruiting girls for, uh, uh, Victoria, wait, what was she recruiting recruiting girls for? She told, Ghislaine told
1: Maria, because Maria would come along in the car, they'd be like, come with us. Like she, like Ghislaine would take her shopping and all this stuff. She'd be like, get in the car, let's go. You know? And she would like stay in the car and like see these exchanges happen, you know? Um... But one thing she did tell me is that they asked the kids about their grades. They only lo- wanted the, the kids with good grades. They wanted smart kids and they wanted talented kids, like creative kids.
0: And she would say, they I'm recruiting for a modeling you know? agency. And then, and she would do this with Ivana Trump. Yeah, I mean, it's satanic, it's horrible, it's evil. Um, uh, Ivana Trump, what's, what's the angle there? I mean, I mean, does, does her name come up? Yeah, I honestly
1: don't know, because it had never come up before. But she was like, I want her to explain herself. Why was she always there? And why was she always going around with the with these kids? You know, why was she involved? Like, she should explain herself. That's what that's what Maria said. Are says. there a lot
0: of photos with Ghislaine and Ivana Trump? I, I haven't seen any, but that doesn't mean they I don't exist. I believe ex- so. Yeah, but okay. But, I mean,
1: I'd have to go. Do- I mean, there's pictures of Ghislaine and Trump from, like, right. the early 90s right. and all that stuff. So, I it really honestly wouldn't be this surprising. This was, like, mid-90s, right? This is, like, 95. Right. Um, right. You know, by the time it hit, like, 2000 and so, like, the Trump-Epstein relationship sort of started to get rocky. It you started know? to
0: degenerate. Why? Why exactly did it start to get rocky?
1: Well, from what I understand, it was sort of competition about real estate at some point. There was um, um, this mansion in Palm Beach that uh, Epstein wanted to buy and flip, and then and then he showed it to Trump and asked his opinion, and then uh, Trump ended up taking it from Epstein or something like that, some right. sort of, like, real estate.
0: Marksmanship. Uh, Gamesmanship. Yeah, I don't yeah. know.
1: And so they got mad at each other, and apparently after Trump did that to Epstein, Epstein tried to, like, set him up. Or something with some sort of like blackmail thing.
0: So, I don't. Re- so Maria, yeah. when did Maria start figuring out that hey, this is not a modeling agency. It's not a. These aren't talent scouts. These people are pedophiles. Did she figure it out before she got? Was it the rape in Ohio that did it? The attempted rape, or she had no. Yeah, encli- that's what
1: she said. Yes. She okay. She said during the attempted rape, she was like, she said everything like that started to click. All this weird stuff she'd seen, and just like didn't understand. Just thought they were like just weird, total weirdos. She, when she was being assaulted, it just clicked. She's like, these people have been around my sister. You know, he's right. way younger than her. Right. Right. These people have been around my sister. And then she said that she, out of nowhere, had this feeling that they'd taken these these pictures she had of her, of her sisters um, that were, like, hidden in, like, the basement of this guest house. She, like, had all her stuff there, like, super organized. And because she was an artist, she had, like, some pictures of, like, her um, younger sisters, like, half naked for, like, anatomy stuff. But she always painted them with their clothes on. And apparently they had gone in there and taken the pictures. And after she escaped that mass, barely, she called Epstein's office trying to get those pictures back. And eventually someone called her back and said, don't try and get the pictures back. They're in his briefcase and he's using them. And then she hung up.
0: How long did you work for him in
1: total? Um, It was... 1995 to 1996 when that you know when she was assaulted I don't know exactly um what month she began I, I I had to do a follow-up call with her it was just taking it all in at once you know I mean yeah I was just like tell me whatever you want to tell me you know yeah. I was like I have all afternoon let's go what else um, did she so say anything follow up yeah. stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. what else do you remember in terms of disturbing or you know, uh, things that you had not necessarily heard before.
1: Well, um, there's a clip for this one. Yeah. Um, She said the FBI is, is, was just as abusive to her as, as Epstein and Maxwell, which is just insane since that's supposed to be the institution that protects people like this.
0: Yeah. Let's, I mean, well, who believes nobody listening to this show believes that I'll tell you that much. (laughs) I'm sure there are people out there that believe that nobody listening to this show. Uh, okay. What, let's play that clip because that's an interesting clip to get into. Did they, after she left, was that the end of contact she had with them after the assault and they finally let her out? Did she have any further contact with them?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, She said that when she went back to New York after that whole incident in Ohio, that Epstein stalked her and followed her around.
0: Very Mm -hmm. creepy. All right. We're going to play the clip now. Here's the FBI clip.
2: I mean i can I can't even explain to you how abusive the effing the is it's unbelievable to me. I mean they first of all never offered me witness protection and when I first called them, they knew I was telling believe me they knew I what i they knew everything I was telling them. they already knew because they're in on it, and it was so weird his reactions when I was talking to him you know I, I called and I got some answer guy and then he passes me to some guy who's like. When I start talking about Wexner, you know, and I asked the guy, do you have, this is all over the phone in 1996. I said, do you have a file on Les Wexner? And he said, why? And I said, he's the head of the snake in this, in America. And I don't even know, I was intuiting this just, and also I think it's common sense when you see all this stuff I saw going on. And anyway, when I said that to him, he said, oh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we do. And I said, well, he's a, he's, these people are, are using child pornography and they've stolen photographs of my sisters. That, that right there would have been life in prison for Jeffrey and Gillan. I still have the envelopes with their touch DNA and fingerprints on them. And the FBI will not take them from me. They never would. They would never take the envelopes that they stole. I mean, they photographs out of these envelopes and I have proof. I still have the envelopes, Whitney. And the FBI was like, "Yeah, no, we don't, we don't need that." They also knew in 1996 that I'd been trafficked and Annie had been trafficked, and that would have been enough to put them away. But they never cared; they didn't care. And the worst part was, I named everybody. I named Donald Trump. I named everyone who I thought was a co-conspirator at the time. So I named like um, Alan Dershowitz, Donald Trump, uh, absolutely the Clintons. Um, You know, these are people that I saw coming and going that I knew were part of it. And I I made it really clear that this is a very scary thing for children and that I see between five and ten girls a day going upstairs. And now that I know what's happening to them, I want it stopped. And um, that's where it's supposed to go.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is just mind-blowing stuff. You know, when she says that she tells the FBI that, you know, she has information on, on people that are trafficking children and they do nothing, and we've heard this before. we heard it with the Franklin scandal. Uh, there's been many other pedophile rings in the U.K., the Kinkora Boys Home in the U.K., North Fox Island, another an- another much smaller but also wealthy, powerful people abusing children. Um, the Franklin scandal is the big, you know, from the 80s and 90s, is the huge precursor to Epstein Um, where you had a very politically connected figure doing the same exact thing. Um, What is your belief when you zoom out for a minute and you look at this from 30,000 feet? And what does this say about our society? What does it say about the ruling class? What does it say about elites? What does it say about how people are controlled? Uh, what, What does it say to you after looking at all this stuff? What can you... Uh, what can you extract from this and apply it to like kind of an overarching thesis of, of, of what's going on that we don't really know about?
1: Oh, wow. Okay. So this is definitely global in scale. Number one. Um, I think a lot of these elites aren't loyal to the nations they live in. They're loyal to their ruling class. Like this is a supranational like swamp, basically, you know how people in the U S are calling like, you know, the, the deep state, the swamp. I mean, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of billionaires that have this sort of supranational structure and they're just like in it to do this sick stuff because Leslie Wexner is not the only billionaire that's into this. Right. I can say that for a fact.
0: When, when we hear people talk about the occult and that a lot of these people are just into strange, weird, ancient religions and, Uh, weird types of ceremonies and things like that. How much uh, does that figure into some of the things that you've looked at, whether it's Marina Abramovich or what? Because I dismiss a lot of that stuff uh, because I say it's bad enough if they're pedophiles. I don't really care if they're satanic or Mormon. It's It doesn't really matter that much to me. But right. how much credence do you put in this stuff where you do see a lot of occult imagery and a lot of occult uh, types of ceremonies in these, you know, whether it's secret societies or fraternity? I mean, w- what amount of weight do you give that stuff?
1: Well, um, you know... I think throughout the time, like several decades, have there been a lot of people looking at this stuff? Um, I think intelligence agencies have had people out there to, to do what they call muddy the waters, you know, trying to discredit legitimate research into, into these type of crimes by putting out stuff that's just like, you know, nuts. Um, but in terms of like the, um, you know, the Satanist stuff and all of that, actually, I didn't take any clips out for, from this, but Maria did say that she saw weird symbols at like Epstein's places and Ghislaine's apartment and stuff that she, she saw somewhere else later word. And someone told her that like, that was Baphomet, You oh, know, yeah, like okay. a, like a Satanist thing. Like she saw, she said she saw that, but wasn't like overly familiar with that type of stuff. It was taste. Um, it
0: was tasteful. It wasn't overdone. The Bahamut, <laughs> I don't, the satanic I don't know statues she, she were too tasteful. It I mean, wasn't, wasn't overdone. It was a little, little Bahamut there. A little, yeah. Um, what, what when people talk about the Clintons and Trump, you know, we're talking about the most you know powerful people. But see, they're not the most powerful people in the world, but they're certainly, uh, you know, they occupy some of those powerful positions in the world. When you when you uh, what is your opinion of, of the role that either one of those men had in this after looking at a lot of the information that you've looked at?
1: Um, well, honestly, I think since the days of John F. Kennedy, the president doesn't really have as much power as we'd like to think he does. Right. I think uh part of the reason for that is to make people think that elections like actually make a difference, at least presidential elections, um, and that as long and have people, you know, sort of develop this political savior complex, as long as we have the right guy in the White House, you know, um, then every as long as, you know, we can fix things if we get this one guy in this one office. And I think since the days of JFK, uh that type of stuff is, is not really reasonable um anymore because what we're dealing with is, um, you know, these intelligence agencies that do these things like, you know, support Epstein in, in that type of activity, for example. But they're also involved in drug running. They're also involved involved in gun running. I mean, they're essentially organized crime syndicates. So, and like I said yeah. earlier, they got in bed, the CIA, right, as soon as it was formed, basically got in bed with the mob. And they're in bed with the mob in a bunch of other countries. They work closely with other intelligence agencies like Mossad and, and MI5 in the U.K. that do the same thing. So um, – yeah, I mean that—that's basically who rules the world. But they answer to people too, right? And that's actually um, there's this one clip uh, that I that I have to to conclude, I guess, yeah. that uh, where Ghislaine's talking about that a little bit because she says that even though um, Ghislaine and and Wexner were working for Israel, right? So she said Wexner was the head of the stake in America, but there's another family that she thinks is like the head of the snake snake.
0: Okay, right? and and and. Where does she think Ghislaine Maxwell is currently?
1: That's, uh, we'll get into that. So let's play the clip. All right, let's play the clip. Let's
0: play (laughs) the clip. All right, here, uh, Maria Farmer, Epstein's victim, is talking about Ghislaine Maxwell.
2: So then she says to me, you know, my dad was a very powerful man and, you know, he was very important. She said, Maria, you don't understand. And then she's showing me, like, who she grew up with and how powerful he was and how much money they had. And then she goes on to tell me, she said, you know, Maria, and this is true, she said, and she showed me, she had passports, get this, I don't know how this is legal, she had a passport, a French passport, an English passport, an Israeli passport, an American passport, and there was one other, I'm trying to think of what the other one was, and I was like, I thought you were only allowed to be a citizen, like, of two countries or something, I didn't know, and she's like, oh, no, 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 because of my dad, I'm, I'm a citizen of all these nations. And I'm like, what? So then later when she was talking to me about something one day, she said that the Rothschilds were the greatest protectors of her family.
0: And she wasn't talking about Lynn Forrester, by the way. She, she was talking, was talking about, about the other ones, yeah. the people that are in mm-hmm. her. Okay. So the Rothschilds, who are the Rothschilds? Because that's like, they're the centerpiece of every conspiracy since the beginning of time, pretty much who are they? I mean, I kind of, as soon as I hear the Rothschilds, I usually roll my eyes and go, oh boy, here we go. Then people are going to start talking about numerology soon. And you know, like they're going to get into like, so who are the Rothschilds? I mean, I, I who are the Rothschilds? Other than a very, okay, um,
1: yeah. They're a multi-generational banking family. I mean, I don't want to like talk about all the different things people have said about them over the years, but there are some obvious facts people p- can point to. A multi-generational banking family in several countries in Europe. Um, you know, a, a lot of, very influential people um, that later we go into positions of major political power, um, sometimes they're Rothschild bankers, like uh, Macron of France used to work for a Rothschild bank, commerce secretary of the United States, Wilbur Ross, also used to work for them, right? Um, but it's also worth pointing out, since, you know, we it's pretty much documented now that these guys were working with Israeli intelligence, that the influence of the Rothschilds in the creation of Israel, I mean, this is historical fact, the Balfour Declaration that really paved the way for the creation of Israel as, as, a, as a political state, um, was addressed to the Rothschild family. I mean, they were the people that really pushed, um, you know— uh, uh, funded and nurtured the Zionist movement in its early days in the 19th century. And, I mean, you can see that reflected in Israel today. One of the biggest roads in Tel Aviv is named after a Rothschild. The Knesset building, which is like Israel's Congress, I mean, that was financed by the Rothschild family. They have a d- definite influence there, um, I would argue. Um, and I think a lot of other people, I mean, it's hard to see that type of money floating around and patronage. To um, a, a certain nation state and assume they don't have influence there, and, right? And Kaline's
0: um, father was an Israeli asset, an um, intelligence asset, and a media mm-hmm. mogul, right? He published papers
1: in the UK, in the UK, yeah. right? Um, mm-hmm. Right,
0: okay. So he was, you know, probably the prop- propaganda arm of. Well, uh, he worked yeah. for
1: several different intelligence agencies. Okay, uh, Mac- Robert Maxwell did. Like he had a relationship with with Russian intelligence as well, but um, he. Um, Apparently, British intelligence thought about recruiting him at some point, And they said no, because he's only loyal in, to Israel. So he was considered to be like, you know, an Israeli super spy, basically. But he had like a lot of connections to different intelligence agencies um, in the world. Um, but apparently he had been given money to build his media empire by uh, Mossad financiers or, or financers and, and had basically been, um, you know, Uh, put in this position to manage this money and he didn't, you know, wasn't able to pay Mossad back at some point and started making threats and uh, he got pushed off a
0: boat. When Epstein gets caught the second time, is this just a major glitch in the matrix? Is this, did nobody see this coming? How does, you know, he's got all these powerful friends. He gets away with it the first time. What is, what is the second time then? How do we understand that? Is it that just, you know, you had uh, an aggressive district attorney in New York or how exactly, or a, 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 aggressive U.S. attorney, how exactly does he get get brought in the second time?
1: Um, so Maria said that it had to do with some very tenacious NYPD detectives that were very adamant about, about you know, getting this guy charged again. Okay, um, she yeah. said the Berman guy, Jeffrey Berman, the district attorney, uh, is, is not a good guy. That's what she said. So but the, she said that he basically had to act because these guys at NYPD were like really persistent and that she knew that he was going to be arrested like two weeks before because they had come to interview her and like solidify up the case and all this stuff. And, and these NYPD um,
0: guys, but, how does the case even fall into their lap?
1: I don't know the details of that, do you, to be do you, honest. Personally, before yeah. I talked to her, I thought this had to do with Deutsche Bank because right. just two weeks before he was arrested, Deutsche Bank, which was the only bank that would still really do business publicly anyway with Epstein, uh, closed their accounts.
0: Do you think there's anything um, and- true about the idea that Anthony Weiner's laptop had, uh, information on it. Is this something that you, you've heard this story, that you've heard this idea. Have yeah, you not? I, I mean, I'm not, I'm have asking not you any
1: evidence for that.
0: Okay. But, no. and, but, but NYPD guys certainly pushed for Epstein to be, I guess.
1: That's r- what Maria said. She said they, they came to her, um, what in June,
0: okay uh,
1: of last year and and we're building a case and that it was them not the berman guy and she said some of the stuff that that berman said during the press conference she found really offensive um right but um, i'd have to go back in the call and, and find out exactly what she said about it so, she named the detective at nypd that was like she said was awesome um uh, but i can't recall his name right now
0: has she so she after the assault epstein is then stalking her what does that mean
1: following her around. Apparently they, they really didn't like it when someone left and right. she had tried to quit numerous times before. And it was always like, no, 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 you can go here. You can go there. they would try and pass her, pass her off to like, you know, friends or whatever. And eventually that's how she ended up at Wexner's place.
0: Yeah. And I guess it's intimidating when you have all these powerful rich people around you and you're working for them. You don't want to make enemies. You try to stick it out, you know, You, you and, 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 it ta- you know, obviously once you're assaulted, then you're like, okay, it's time to go.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, she didn't realize, like, like I said, a lot of the things that she had seen over the years that she had just thought was weird and, like, dismissed, it just all sort of, when during the assault, she said it all just sort of started to click and, like, come together, and she was like, oh, that's what these
0: people really are. What about the Dubin you know, family? Have moment. you you read it all about the Dubin family? You know, Vanity Fair did an article about them. Uh, uh,
1: like, Glenn Dubin, and yes. his wife was uh, Epstein's girlfriend, yes. and then the daughter was like, he wanted yes. to marry the daughter. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, this is kind of common. With these families that are tied to this.
0: Did you hear that thing about did you see the thing about Bloomberg goes wherever I am in the world, I, I get my daughter a date? Do you see that? Oh yeah,
1: about China. Like I said yeah. with dates with all these oligarchs in China. Yeah. Yes. yes. I, I guess they look at their kids this way. It's I, sad. I, I mean I, I mean, these I, people yeah. are messed up in the head. They obviously don't have normal, happy family
2: lives. Well, well neither I mean, did I that-
0: neither did I, but I'm not fucking kidnapping kids <laughs> outside of schools, you know? You can overeat, you can do drugs. Those are what that's how I've dealt with it. What so now what exactly um does where is Ghislaine now? What's she up to? What is she going to come out and reveal herself publicly? She she's suing Epstein's estate cuz she wants her money or something. There is a lawsuit. Well, I think- yeah.
1: I think that's about getting the money back for the intelligence agency that funded this whole thing back to where it came from. Right. Because why else would she be suing? Because, I mean, her money didn't come, you know, it, it was all given to her. Do you think just we'll like f- all of Epstein's money was yeah. given to him? He didn't make like billions. Do he was th- given all this money right. by Wexner.
0: Do you think we'll see Ghislaine Maxwell again ever publicly?
1: I don't know, but Maria Farmer says that she is not hiding in Israel, that she's living in the Rothschild mansion.
0: Where's that? Where's the Rothschild mansion? In the UK.
1: Apparently they have several, um, but that she's with the um, UK Rothschilds. Um, The the head of that family, by the way, Lord Jacob Rothschild, since we mentioned her earlier, Marina Abramovich, uh, they have recently this picture of them together behind this painting that's called, like, Satan summons his legions. They're, like, posing in this together. Right? I mean, it's weird. Something's I don't weird.
0: Know. Something's up. Why? I was looking, and again, I was always a skeptic of Pizzagate only because there were no victims, right? You know, Franklin, victims. Uh, Kinkora, victims come forward. North Fox Island, victims come forward. Jeffrey Epstein, victims come forward. In anything without victims where we're just looking at art or we're just looking at but if you look at some of the art that Tony Podesta had and some of the artists- oh, yeah and some of the artists that he would frequently purchase art from, it's fucking weird. There's kids in cages. They're they're doing sacrifices. It's very odd. Uh, You know, I don't know, man. I've never seen, and I've been to some wealthy people's homes, I've really never seen art like that. Right. Yeah. Uh,
1: You know, a lot of people like Wexner... And like Epstein before this started to come out, I mean, their public persona, I mean, Bill Clinton in the like call in the early 2000s called Epstein a philanthropist. Right. Right. I mean, they had like these rosy reputations, like look at how much Wexner's given to Ohio State University and the medical school is named after him. And, oh, he gave all this money to a hospital. Look at him giving all his money away. And people say the same stuff about people like Bill Gates. Yeah. Bill Gates. After the Epstein arrest, kept hanging out with Epstein. He, he knew Epstein apparently in the 90s. They did business together. I don't know what that business was, but, but Gates flew on his plane like three times. He went to the island. Now He did all this stuff. That's apparently fine. That's apparently fine. Epstein had all these
0: different scientists around him. He said his interest was eugenics. What, I mean, what, in, in what form- uh, what are they trying to do? If you had to wrap your head around why he's having uh, these salons with all these scientists and he's having these, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, meetings with all these important people in the fields of science. what What is the goal? What do you think the end goal? If you had to speculate, and I know you don't love doing that because you're a great reporter, but if you had to speculate what do you think he wants? Does he want to influence health policy so that it kind of promotes some of these more nefarious ideas that he has? And, and does he want to okay. wrap eugenics up in like a nice bow and say, here, it's not eugenics. It's uh, whatever, you know, whatever you would call it. It's uh, It's better life. We call it better life, you know?
1: Right. Less so life. I don't know exactly what Bill Gates wants, but I do know what Jeffrey Epstein was interested in, in terms of his eugenics interest. And this has been reported in mainstream media. But if that's the case with like what they did to Maria Farmer and they only reported five percent, I mean, honestly, right. who knows? But um, what they did say is that he was basically interested in essentially making like a master race and that they were looking for girls that were intelligent. And, and these they were asking about grades. You know, they only wanted smart kids, creative kids, talented kids. And actually, um, Maria Farmer's younger sister was one of these girls that was going to be that was being groomed to have Epstein's children. And and then after the assault, you know, she got, you know, Ghislaine called her and said, you ruined everything. Like she was going to have your sister was going to have Epstein's baby. She was so lucky and all this stuff like they really think their genetics are superior. Um, As far as what Bill Gates might be up to, I would you know, I don't want to speculate because I don't. I don't know what he says in private, so I can't assume, but I would really urge people to look at the history of eugenics in the United States, because in the 1920s, the eugenics movement was so powerful that the Supreme Court ruled that a mother and her young daughter had to be sterilized because they were too stupid. Really? And they were from like a poor, yeah, oh yeah. And, and this is not isolated. There were states that had passed eugenic laws before this. I mean, they're, the billionaires of the Gilded Age were really into this. And and they were like, and and the lady that they said to sterilize in that Supreme Court ruling was a poor white person. You know, they were just like, oh, you're too stupid because you're from, you know, the Appalachian Mountains, you know. Um, But they, you know, they've been like that with other, you know, it's not just white people, you know.
0: Of course. No, of course not. Obviously. Of course um, not. Yeah, But
1: that type of mentality um, actually ended up inspiring Hitler. But obviously, with World War II, that type of mentality went out of style, and there's a lot of people who make the convincing argument that those people that were eugenicists in, in the United States, during that period of time, m- maintained their views, but found a way to sort of let it slide under the public,
0: right? Right, right. What and, about, what about uh, a lot of people? I don't want to get yeah. too
1: controversial, but get Margaret Sanger- Go there. Um, okay, well- uh, Margaret Sanger, who was the founder of, of, of like Planned Parenthood right. a long time ago, um, she wrote very disturbing things about African-Americans.
0: Right, And right.
1: intentionally wanted to put Planned Parenthood centers there uh, where there was the highest concentration of African-Americans.
0: Yeah, okay? I mean, it's a And that's not a conspiracy. Yeah.
1: You can read her letters. No, it's yeah. odd.
2: You know? Yeah.
1: I don't want to get into the whole, like, issue because it's like such a left and right divide. And I really try and, and do everything I can to like transcend the left, right divide. Cause there's so much more important stuff. And you mean the issue like meaning abortion. Differing. Right. But right. I mean, if, if this lady was saying this stuff and saying, I want to put the center here because I don't want this particular race to like, I don't want their, you know, I don't want them to have a lot of kids.
0: Right. You know? Yeah.
1: That's messed up. And Bill Gates father, was in, associated with that organization. Apparently he was, he had ties to the Rockefellers and the Rockefeller family were from the time of the first billionaire, JD Rockefeller in the Gilded Age, where they were passing all these laws. He was into that stuff and yeah. his sons were into that stuff. Right. right. So I would say to people that want to sort of look at this, look at the history because we know what those people were saying and what they were doing because they were open about it then.
0: Right. Right. And, and now they've kind And kinda, ask yourself yeah. this
1: discontinue. They were never held held accountable you know what I mean? Yeah. It's and very possible. And if you look at stuff Bill Gates has said, like, you know, a couple of years ago, too many Africans.
0: Right. So now those 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 views have maybe gone underground, but they're still very much, you know, held by people. And the what do you think it is? You know, you study these people, you've written about them. Is it is it power? Is it control? Do they want to just control the entire world? What's the goal here? What's the the end game? Is to just have a slave race of people that will do the jobs? And then have this, you know, kind of perfected race of people that gets to enjoy the benefits of, I mean, what what, what do you think the the picture looks like?
1: Well, really quick, I want to go back to my last point really yes. quick because, um, you know, like you saying this had gone like underground. I really believe that because something yeah. that Maria told me is that she heard Ghislaine and all of these people she was around say the most racist things. And I mentioned earlier that they were very supremacist, but they would not go to cities where they thought there were too many African-Americans. They well, that's her First of all, I want about my these
0: people. Yeah, I want my human traffickers to be woke and politically <laughs> correct. I do. I won't I don't sleep at night if my human traffickers are not uh, for diversity um, and inclusion. But so Galen Maxwell, I mean, it's just fascinating to me, man, when you when you look at all this stuff, how, how evil these people are, how powerful they are, how big the system is, how utterly impossible it seems to get any justice. Nobody seems to be able to, even when it looks like. Now, who whacked Epstein in your estimation? Mossad hit? What is it? Uh,
1: you know, I honestly don't know because, you know. A lot of people talk, spend a lot of time talking about his death and like what happened to him. I think that attention is better spent asking how the heck are we going to get J- Ghislaine Maxwell in prison? And how are we going to get Leslie Wexner in prison?
0: Well, we're you probably, know, and hold them accountable. We're probably well, not. Mean, yeah, I wish you know, we would. I don't but really that... know
1: who killed Epstein. Um, there's no camera footage. So honestly, anything could have happened. Right.
0: Honestly. I mean, right.
1: Who, who really knows? I mean, the prison guards won't talk. They're being charged. I mean, they won't say anything, right? They were apparently like asleep or whatever, right. you know. Um, and, and the camera footage was there, and then it disappeared, and who knows? So, you know, I don't really know what happened, is, honestly. Is corona- but there's a lot of people that definitely wanted him dead. Cor- I think that's pretty clear. And he was middle management; he probably right. wasn't worth saving. If they killed Robert Maxwell, yeah,
0: they're gonna and he was kill Jeffrey. Own, yeah, they probably
1: kill him too. He outlived his usefulness.
0: You know what I mean? Coronavirus, man-made natural what do you think <laughs> well
1: I have no idea what it is and I think everyone that's saying they know what it is I don't think they're telling the truth because it's really hard to know there's so much information out there yeah. it's hard but what I do think is inaccurate and we're seeing this huge very similar to the weapons of mass destruction yeah, let's, go with, let's go to war with let's go to war with China
0: it. tomorrow yeah let's go to war with right. China tomorrow yeah yeah yeah
1: But what's disturbing is that a lot of the evidence these people are citing, saying it's a Chinese bioweapon, for example, they cite studies. And if you actually look at those studies and you look at the funding, it was funded by not just the Chinese government, but a lot of U.S. government organizations. And that that lab in Wuhan had direct ties to Fort Detrick.
0: Right, in Maryland. You know, and these
1: other, these other, you know, uh, U.S. research organizations. Even these people that are claiming that it's an exclusive Chinese bioweapon, they, they shared all these articles today saying Facebook's fact checker worked at the Wuhan lab. It's an American.
0: Right, right. And
1: they're acting like people aren't going to get it, you know? I mean, so obviously there's like, why would they leave that out, you know? What do you think? Uh, there's do
0: some- You think these shutdowns- Continued. Do you think we ever get our rights back? Do you think that they're going to keep finding ways to take more and more rights under the guise of yeah, yeah of, so. of now public I think health? They will be it was terrorism for many think, years. Now it'll now it'll be public health.
1: Yeah, well, it's another invisible enemy, isn't it? I right. mean, you know, there were the you know the terrorists. And after nine eleven, and now, you know, we're allied, the U.S. government is like allied with Al-Qaeda in Syria and Yemen, basically like fighting on their behalf. That's <laughs> amazing. Um, and we gave up all those, all these rights for that. And yeah. now we're all- supporting them. I mean, it's insane. But in terms of coronavirus, um, some of the reporting I've done in in recent weeks has really shown that a lot of the solutions for coronavirus that we're being told we need to, you know, these systems like these surveillance systems we have to implement, you know, these were planned out last year, months ago. Yeah. Um, For example, this coronavirus surveillance system they were promoting this under a different name called Safe Home under this agency they wanted to make called Harpa. It was Ivanka Trump promoting that. Now Jared Kushner is promoting this thing um, today as in his like new task force or whatever. But last year they were saying it needed to be done to stop mass shootings.
0: And what, what, and is what this? they are doing yeah, is, what they is they are
1: it? taking s- these solutions that they want to implement and they're just tacking on whatever Americans are most afraid of. What is this it was surveillance? Mass yeah. Now it's coronavirus. What
0: is this surveillance system though? What are they trying to do? What are they going to try to do?
1: Well, they're basically trying to get Americans' private medical records in a giant database mixed with um, everything that's on your consumer smartphone, and... um Use it to make sure you're not social distancing and all this stuff. But it's definitely more than that. And I'll tell you why. Because last October, Bill Barr, the attorney general, created a pre-crime program that started this year. It's called DEEP, the Disruption and Early Engagement Program. He created that last year, saying that this was supposed to be to stop mass shootings. Um, And it's it's pre-crime. Uh, because the idea behind it is that you arrest someone who's mobilizing towards violence. And the way you do it is by looking at their health records and what they say on social media and that you arrest them before they can they can strike. Right. That's pre-crime. And that is a slippery slope. And under after coronavirus and all all these lockdowns happens, Bill Barr's Department of Justice asked for the right to indefinitely detain Americans without trial. He hasn't gotten them yet, but he might. And to think that this false surveillance dragnet they're not going to be pushing through, it's crazy. I have another report coming out um, next week about this little-known U.S. government body called the National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence. It's chaired by Eric Schmidt um formerly the head of you know alphabet google's parent company and is full of all these like cia guys uh pentagon guys and basically what they say in this document that just came out last year that no one's reporting on which is insane they basically say in order for the u.s as a uh you know a, a a for national security purposes, we have to maintain a technological advantage over China and artificial intelligence. And the way to do that is to remake American society so that we adopt a Chinese-style like surveillance state, but worse than what China has. Wow. That's basically what he said. And where, this is, is, scandalous.
0: where is this coming out of again?
1: I'll send it to you. It, it came out as a Freedom of Information Act request. Um, just like a couple days ago, no one's covered it. And it is just the most scandalous document. And this it's is, insane. And they're saying, and it totally yeah. is the opposite of the rhetoric we are hearing about, you know, all oh, the social credit score and all oh, China is abusing human rights. They are literally saying we have to do that here or we will not be able to set international norms and not be able to like control uh, the market of the fourth industrial revolution uh, that AI is going to create and all this stuff. Uh, and so- they're basically saying we have to eliminate individual car ownership we have to eliminate cash and credit cards uh you can't even see like they call all of these things legacy systems
0: you know that's basically the american (laughs) way of life
1: no more in-person shopping you have to do it all online now and this is
0: this is so fucking nuts because this is what i was talking about and these are people that are saying in order to be china we have to become china
1: yeah, that's what they're saying. They're saying China is going to leapfrog us and go miles ahead in adoption of these technologies unless we do what they're doing and we do it faster. And we have to leapfrog them, basically. And, do you and think, they're basically using yeah. this pandemic to do that, to remake society. They, they're doing this controlled demolition of the economy, and they're not going to reopen it up until they remake everything, I think.
0: Wow. Based I mean, on the
1: stuff this that is they've very, been saying. This is
0: very disturbing. So they want to get rid of a lot of these legacy systems...
1: That's what they call it. Yeah. Like going to a store in person and buying stuff, legacy system. Wow. Owning your own car, legacy system. Wow. Using cash or a credit card, legacy system.
0: So now what are you going to use?
1: They want it to be all smartphone-based payments like they do in India now because India, like a year or two ago, like eliminated almost all currency in circulation and no one there has credit cards. So they all had to adopt this like – Like mobile wallet, like digital wallet, which is really similar to the stuff they put out in that coronavirus relief bill, the digital dollar and all this stuff that they were like sort of putting in there. Yeah, what was in in that relief bill?
0: What was in that bill? What were they, what are they doing? What are they building in there? What are they doing in that bill? (laughs)
1: Well, I haven't read it all. It's apparently, like, several thousand pages. Yeah. But considering at the time they passed it after the crisis was, like, you know, exploding, they had that prepared well in advance. Right. The, the, those kind of type of bills, just like the Patriot Act, they just don't they don't write them, like, in a couple of days and say, here, sign. I mean, right on 9-11, the Patriot Act was ready to go. And right. I think this bill is the same. And, and-, and like I said, all these people last year were, like, making these plans. And they were simulating pandemics, too. Crimson Contagion. That was a 19 federal agency, 12 states, a bunch of private companies gaming out a pandemic in the U.S. four times last year from January to August. And they had um, one day on on the last exercise or the last simulation, which was like lasted four days, the entire third day was the secretary of the treasury and finance. And I think that's where that bill came from.
0: What is so they want everything like China on your smartphone? They want everything, you know, they want to ev- everything basically. Yeah. They don't
1: even want people to have laptops, they want it all on the phone.
0: Why? Everything on the phone. Why not laptops? Are they harder to trace or yeah, nobody knows. I
1: guess they just want everyone's life on the phone. Uh, that's pretty much where it's going. They're like phase all this stuff out and make it all the phone.
0: All the phone. It's
1: crazy. I will send you this, so you send can see me I'm it. not making this I up. I don't believe and you're making it up. All the stuff like mass surveillance is awesome. It's a killer way to train artificial intelligence. They say it's awesome that in China people are using uh, the police use voice recognition technology to arrest people before they commit crimes.
0: Yeah. Like oh boy, oh boy, before they commit yeah. crimes.
1: And, and this this commission is supposed to give the recommendations to the government about how, from this national security point of view, how to maintain an advantage over China, and this is what they're saying. And someone had to do this Freedom of Information Act request to get it. and this is like the only document produced by that body they got. And like I said, this is headed by the ex-Google guy, Eric Schmidt, but it's it has like two different, like the first CEO of InQtel, the CIA's venture capital arm, right? Yeah. It has the current CEO of NQTel. It has the former deputy director of national intelligence. I mean, it is just, it's Spooks and it's Amazon. It's um, Microsoft, Google, it's Oracle. Oracle, by the way, is involved in the coronavirus response right now and like reopening the economy with Trump. I mean, all of these same players that are on this commission are also involved in this reopening the economy business. And what do you think they're going to do? Probably what they were saying in private last year. You know what I mean.
0: So this is really terrifying. This is like uh, ending freedom, whatever, what little freedoms we have left, getting rid of them. Now, why not? Why no private ownership of vehicles? What is what is behind that? Is that are they climate related? They just don't they,
1: want. They no no no. They want autonomous, like autonomous self-driving fleets of like ride-sharing cars. They say that like things like Uber and all this stuff that that's where this has to go. That individual car ownership is like dangerous and that it needs to be fleet ownership, it's more efficient um and all this stuff i mean that's basically what, what about they lay owning out. a pro- and they say if we yeah. don't do it then china will be better at it than us what and then they'll yeah. export it to other countries and our giant silicon valley tech companies will lose money right and all this stuff i mean right. that's how they're thinking if about we
0: it. don't put a chip in your arm china's gonna put chips in everybody's arm and they're that's gonna make the money
1: exactly the mentality Fuck. And it's, yeah
0: yeah what about home ownership is there anything in the document about that
1: they didn't talk about homeownership, okay. no. Uh, not specifically. It's redacted. They didn't include all the slides. Oh, it's so there's a lot in that there's a lot in that document that there. they
0: left out. They, oh, I'm sure. They redacted there's obviously
1: it. more documents. They've had tons of meetings and briefings and all this stuff, and this is the only thing they've put out.
0: Yeah, one little document so- trickled out. And this is; these are all the, the guy from Google. So these are, and this is what I was talking to Joe about. And this is what I was saying: a lot of these people have pretty fucking scary ideas that are hidden from public yeah. view. And by the time you know what they are, they've already been 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 foisted on you, and you you you, yeah. you you know you can't get away from them. Wow. Well, that's
1: why it's important to like bring this out. I will send this over. I mean, like, well. Hopefully you won't share it before my reports up. So no, 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 no. You will. We'll, we'll <laughs> wait. You do your thing.
0: People, this will come out Sunday in two days, and then people will listen to us talk about it. Everybody will read oh. your article. I mean, all of this is mind blowing. All of it is crazy. Um, yeah. uh, You know, but
1: I really feel like they're using the lockdown to do a bunch of stuff they normally couldn't get away with. And I think that's why this ruling about Epstein and the sweetheart deal happened now, too.
0: Right. Right.
1: Ghislaine, Maxwell, Wexner off. What are people going to do? And then the corporate relief, the, the relief bill or whatever was a four times bigger bailout for Wall Street than 2008. And after the 2008 bailouts, there was Occupy Wall Street. There were protests, but everyone's right. on lockdown. What are they going to do?
0: Right. The yellow vest protests in France, two
1: hundred dollars check the yellow vests in Manichin france are done of for 10 weeks yeah, the yeah yel- that yel- happened in france yeah, yeah
0: that's done. All done the hong kong protests mm-hmm. are done right
1: uh, it happened in a lot of uh, actually a lot of the first countries to do lockdowns actually all had protest movements going on uh, yeah. it's like so france had the yellow vest spain had uh the the separatists in catalonia Chile, where I live, had a lot of protests that began last October that were trying to uh, get the current president of Chile to resign. Those went away. And he, the president of Chile, uh, Sebastián Piñera, he, he declared a constitution, like, like suspended the constitution for 90 days and declared a lockdown before there was a single death in Chile. He was like, right. bam,
0: let's go. Mm-hmm. Did they give a time frame with any of these things that they want to do in that document that trickled out or we don't know?
1: it doesn't it doesn't give a time frame but yeah. considering that you know they're like we got to act now or china will you know take it over it just really shows that all this rhetoric about like china bad america good that's not what they really think. What they really think is, like, we like the Chinese model, right. but it needs to be us doing it. And right. we need to be the people exporting it, and then we'll be the global hegemony forever. Yeah. But if we don't do it, then it'll be China.
0: And people are going to be led into the slaughterhouse because we've created this fake us first China. And we're going to become China, mm-hmm. supposedly, in order to beat China. Great. Yeah. Well, not great, but you know what it is.
1: It doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's just the most illogical thing ever, and that's why I think it's so important because then people will see like the lie in the rhetoric, you know. Yeah.
0: Of yeah. people
1: saying, Oh, China's a huge threat to human rights and they're hostile and they're going to expand. Well, which I'm sure they are. I'm, the sure they, I'm
0: sure they I'm sure they're not I'm sure they're not doing anything great over in China in terms of human rights. Oh no. no. But I, I,
1: I'm not rooting for that. I'm just saying yeah. like the U S is being super hypocritical publicly. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're doing like what, the, what Clinton said. I have a public and a private position. I mean, all right. of these people.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's very true. Very disturbing stuff. Whitney Webb, as always, we're, we're, we're up at night. Now we were up before, but now we're up more. Tell people where they can support you financially Any which way, you are so essential. You're the only person really doing this kind of work. Where can people read your stuff? Where can they find you? How can they give you money?
2: (laughs) Um, Well,
1: I I set up a Patreon in January uh, to to, um, help finance my Epstein book because um, it's a small publisher that was really gracious. It was, um, you know, they also published the book on the Franklin scandal by Nick Bryant, so it's it's a good fit. But unfortunately, because they're small, they really couldn't um, get me much in terms of an advance. So a lot of stuff like research help um, and and things like that, or or access to um, some you know online sources and databases and stuff, I have to pay all of that out of pocket. So if you'd like to support um, that, you can support me on Patreon. Um, I also have um, some exclusive. So um, tell them what your, your Patreon exclusive. Yeah, tell oh, them sorry. what your
0: Patreon is. Where can they go? Oh,
1: um you just have to search for Whitney Webb, but I think it's Whitney Webb MPN uh for when I used to work at, at Mint Press News. We'll put it we'll um, put it
0: in the description of the YouTube and on the podcast, yeah. yeah. We'll we'll
1: we'll get yeah. them there. Yeah. And um you can follow me on Twitter, um underscore Whitney Webb. I'm also on Mastodon and um Gab as well, which because I'm probably going to get kicked off of Twitter at some point. Do um. you
0: do you think, do you think um, so?
1: Uh, I think the deplatforming is coming. Yeah. Uh, Actually, last, um, I think it was October, September, um, all these social media companies met with uh, intelligence in the US and they were like, you guys have to protect public discourse ahead of the 2020 election. And they were like, yeah, we'll basically like deplatform you before next November. So I think it's probably coming. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Wow. I mean... That will be the least of our problems if even half of what we've just heard comes to fruition, you know? Uh,
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, and one more thing I forgot. Sorry. All my written work you can read at uh, thelastamericanvagabond.com. That's also a YouTube channel, um, The Last American Vagabond. And I go on there sometimes, talk about my work, and it gets showcased there as
0: well. (laughs) Well, Whitney Webb, you are uh, really, really important. You are what I would call an essential worker. (laughs) So I hope everybody goes and supports you, reads your stuff. I mean, and uh, we'll we'll always have you on. You're phenomenal. Um, Thank you very much for spending time with us and good luck and be safe out there. Yeah,
1: thanks. Likewise. I appreciate that. All right.
0: Thank Thank you. you. Bye-bye.